Well, good morning. All right. Mike, give me some sound here. You know what? It'd help if I hadn't turned it off right there. There we go. Mike, 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 Mike. There we go. Oh, it's glad to be turned on there. All right. Boy, it's a wonderful looking group today. And you guys are so wonderful to have those name tags on. I had two, but I gave mine away. And uh, so I gave my name tags away. And so uh, someone said they were going to give me a one to hang around my neck. Deborah said she was going to give me one, a digital one, all right, with a scrolling message on it, okay? I could put something spiritual on it like... Uh, don't eat too much at Sheely's or something like that. We had a wonderful time uh, last Friday. Boy, this is a great, great group today. And uh, uh, Verna and Nancy, don't miss a one, alright? Count them all. I always look on Monday morning and I'll say, well, I think I remember so-and-so and I think I remember so-and-so. And so uh, we always try to check that. Well, man, listen, today we have a wonderful passage, Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17, as we continue to go through the wonderful, small gospel of Mark. Remember, it is a book written to the Romans. Uh, Mark is concerned with a gospel message to those in Rome. And we find that uh, Mark's favorite word is that word immediately. Forty-two times you find that word in the Gospel of Mark. I remember years ago hearing on the radio a country twanger singer. You know what a twanger is. They got that twang in their voice. And, uh, but this guy is from Yukon, Oklahoma. And uh, his name is Garth Brooks. And oh, Garth sang a song, I've got friends in... Yeah, in low places, alright? And uh, that song talked about all of the rowdy, rambunctious friends he had down in the lower places where you don't really want to go. But I, I would ask you today, do you have friends in low places? Well, Jesus did. And uh, He was a friend of sinners. Now, let me qualify this. There are times that you and I need to have fellowship. Now, we have fellowship with those who know Christ in a personal way. But, if we always hang out in a holy huddle, we'll never reach a lost world. I had an experience one time where we divided up on Wednesday night for prayer meeting. And I got aggravated because I looked out there and I saw what was happening. Yeah, this little click would get over here and this little click would get over here and they didn't want to mix up with people they didn't know. 
So I'm, I fixed that. <laughs> My mom would say I fixed their little red wagon, alright? So the next week I walked in there and I said, okay, John, you're number one, Barbara, you're two, three, four, and I numbered them all off, one through four. And I said, alright, you're number one, you're in this corner over here. Number two's over here, three's over here, four's here. And they had to mix it up. It was the best thing they ever did. Because they got to know, they got to fellowship with other people. We do have that problem. We have that issue where we like to be with folks that we like to be around. We are in our comfort zone when we can hang around with those that we love. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, was scheduled to speak. And so he came to the platform and he said, I have a one-word message today. He said, others. And he went and sat down. Now I thought, man, what a powerful message that is. Others. We need to think of others. Now, Mark chapter 2, 13 through 17. One commentator described this passage as the scandal of grace. Wow, the scandal of grace. Boy, grace can do some amazing things. Grace can change people from what they used to be into what God knows they can be. When you look at the people that Jesus called to follow Him, they were a bunch of low-life people. But they were changed by the power of the Gospel. Now, in Luke chapter 18, maybe you remember this story. Luke chapter 18, verse 11. There is a Pharisee that is standing proudly praying. Here's what he prayed. Luke 18, 11. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank You that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. But here's what the tax collector prayed. Luke 18, 13. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Now, notice that that tax collector did not say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, the sinner. He was saying, I recognize not only am I a sinner, I am the chief, the foremost of sinners. God had grace more for the tax collector than He did for the Pharisee or the publican. I want to tell you, sometimes we're just too righteous for our own good. My, my pastor used to say, you ought to have a firm grip on faith, but you shouldn't wear it on your shirt sleeves in a bragging kind of way. 
I uh, talking about, and I, I don't know why, you know, I, I don't really listen to country and western music that, that much, but, but I got a couple on my mind today. You know, I, there's another guy named George. George Strait. How in the world that man fits into those Wranglers, I'll never know. <laughs> Someone said, who cares? All right. You know, them, them starched Wrangler jeans that he wears, that big 10-gallon Stetson that he wears, and those cowboy boots, those uh, cockroach killers that, you know, you can kill a cockroach in the corner, but JB doesn't have his boots on today. You look out of place. All right, all right. I'm, I'm going to brag on him, okay? In 1987, 1987, George Strait released a song, All My Living. That's why I'm living here in Tennessee. That's right. But you know what? If the devil had a theme song, for First Baptist Church Columbia, it would be all my exes live at First Baptist Church in Columbia. It's true. Because before you were saved, you were in the old life. Before you were saved, you were dominated by the flesh, by the devil, by the things of this world. Before you're filled with the Spirit of God, there's another spirit that will lead and run your life. Folks, I, I know of some that used to date him and used to court him and used to go with him. But you're different now. And you're changed. I want you to take your Bible real quick. I want you to look over to 1 Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Now, if you go back to verse 10, you'll find that Paul names a whole bunch of creeps. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul kind of names a whole bunch of people that you really don't want to be a part of. I want you to look in... Let's just start here in verse number 9, okay? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And here's the list in verse 9. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Boy, we are in trouble. But now look at verse 11. Such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Paul is saying, that's what you used to be. Man, you used to be down there 
in that group in low places. Man, you used to be running with the devil's crowd, but Paul says you've been changed, you've been washed, you've been justified. Now, hang on to that and look back to Mark chapter 2. And let's read. I want to begin just in verse 14. Let me read 14 through 17. Mark 2, beginning in verse 14. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. And it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. For they were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What a wonderful thing grace is. We find that um, Jesus moved from having the big crowds around Him in verse 13 to going and calling a tax collector. Somebody that worked for the IRS. Mm. You know, it's almost tax time, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I always get a little clammy, a little sweaty when it's tax time. I always get a little panicked. I went and saw my, my CPA last week and tried to get my taxes done early to see what the damage is. I, I know some people, <laughs> I had a lady come up to me one time and she said, oh, it's, it's so great to be a preacher, I bet, because you don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> I said... Where in the world did you hear that? That is not not true. Oh, in fact, we, we kind of get to pay it twice. But uh, Well, let's look at this today. As we look at this wonderful text, we find Jesus as the friend of sinners calls the unlikely, the undesirable, and the unhealthy. In fact, the church of the first century was a collaboration of those sometimes that nobody else wanted to hang around with. I uh, got tickled at the prayer conference. Somebody came in and, and they could tell it was a homeless person. And, uh, and somebody came up to me and said, uh, is he supposed to be here? I said, yeah, he's a friend of mine. <laughs> they would, oh, 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 I, I didn't know that. You know, that, that's what Jesus would say. Ada, I guarantee when it comes to college ministry, they don't look like us. Thank God. I mean, you know, they, they, they look different. You know, they, they don't have wrinkles and they don't use Grecian formula and they, they just, you know, they're different. They still got hair on their head and doesn't grow out their ears. And... 
You know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord about that. Why is it when you get old, you know, hair grows out your ears? I, I, I don't remember clipping that. John, did you clip that when you were young? I, I don't remember doing it when I was young. Anyway, we're going to move right along. I got three points real quick. All right, first of all, Jesus calls the unlikely to follow Him. Now, Mark in verse 13 talks about the crowds. Jesus is the only preacher I ever knew of that tried to push the crowds away. And so, He goes from the crowds and teaching them, verse 13, to going to have a dinner with a bunch of lost people. In verse 14, he goes to someone called Levi. Levi has another name. What's Levi's other name? Matthew. The son of Alphaeus. And Jesus says to him in verse 14, Follow me. Not a big explanation. Not a lot of commentary. Two words, follow me. Now I've learned a long time ago, less is better when it comes to your words. The Holy Spirit can speak what you don't speak with your mouth. He said, follow me. One, uh, one commentator said that the name Levi or Matthew means gift of God. And Levi, Matthew would become a gift to the New Testament church. He, he is one that was transformed by the power of God. A tax collector. And so Jesus calls this very unlikely person to follow Him. Now let, let's think about the tax collector in the first century. Hired by Rome to get money from Jewish brethren. In fact, what they would do, they would pad the books and get a little bit extra for themselves. So, he was hated by the Jews. He was distrusted by the Romans. But by calling Levi to follow him, Jesus did an unthinkable, scandalous thing. Had He done that before? Absolutely. Will He do that again? Certainly. What about the woman at the well? Who would spend time with her? Jesus would. What about the one caught in adultery? They said stoner. Jesus said, let the one without sin do it. Oh, what about Zacchaeus up a tree? <laughs> What about Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea? On and on. Travel through the New Testament. What about Saul of Tarsus? But Jesus always and forever calls those who are unlikely. Unlikely to follow Him. Now in Luke chapter 5, verse 28, there's a verse about Matthew. It says, "...and He left everything behind..." and got up and began to follow Him. The teacher's Bible commentary said 
It has been pointed out that he left everything except his quill. And thank God for that because we have the book of Matthew today. And so, I want to remind us today, I look out among the church, but even more so, look at the lost world. And Jesus always seeks out those who are unlikely to follow Him. Alright, number two. Jesus calls the undesirable to follow Him. And that's verse 15. Look at verse 15. And it happened that He was reclining at the table in His house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and His disciples. For there were many of them, and they were following Him. A day of salvation should be a day of joy. It ought to be a day of celebration. Man, when someone becomes a child of God, there ought to be joy on earth because there is joy in heaven. Luke chapter 15 verse 10 says, In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now I heard somebody say one time that the angels rejoice when someone says that's not what it says. It says there is joy in the presence of the angels. Man, listen. God throws the party. I tell you, I, I love to party. I do. Man, I like to go to someone's house and have a good meal and have, you know, a wonderful cake or, you know, a, a great lemon pie or, uh, you know, just, mmm, uh, I love to party. A good coffee to go with that good lemon pie. I, I love to, to party. And Jesus went from calling Matthew to having this lavish party there at the house. Why did they throw the party? Let me give you four reasons, alright? Number one, perhaps it was a farewell party. He's saying goodbye. Matthew's saying goodbye to the old crowd. Number two, perhaps it was to celebrate his new life. Number three, it was to honor Jesus. Number four, it was to share Jesus with His friends. By the way, let me go back to the prayer conference. That guy who probably wasn't supposed to be here but showed up, he came on Friday by himself. Guess what happened on Saturday? He brought somebody with him. Now, I didn't do it, but I thought about it. The person that said something to me about, should he be here? I, I, I said, yeah, and he brought something. Who did you bring today? I know that's just meddling, but it's the truth, isn't it? Have you ever noticed how that uh, sinners have a way of bringing their friends with them? And righteous people sometimes say, I, I've got my friends at church. I'm preaching to me, but if we're not careful, we can be the Pharisee real quick. We can. Well, these 
people that were outcasts of society. Grace is a wonderful thing because these who came to the party were some of the first converts possibly that the Lord had. And one day, if I read it right, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're all going to sit down in heaven on that big banquet table. And we're going to be served by the Lord. And if God would let me have my way, I'd like to be in charge of the seating arrangements. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to sit by, by this person. You know, maybe He'll do that. Grace is a scandalous thing. Ask the thief on the cross, gathering demoniac, adulterous woman, Matthew the tax collector, on and on and on and on. Well, I'm, I'm about done. Third and last, Jesus calls the unhealthy to follow Him. And that's really verse 16 and 17. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that He was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to His disciples, why is He eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus took the criticism and responded. And what He basically said, a sick person needs a doctor. A healthy person does not. I came to minister to the unhealthy. Have you ever known anyone that was sick and pretended that they weren't? I'll tell you a classic example of Steve Phillips. <laughs> Steve says, Oh, I'm okay, I'm okay, and I'm looking at him. No, you're not. You know, he's he's sick today, but he's here. I wouldn't shake his hand today, alright? Just kind of wave at him, okay? Sometimes there are those who are spiritually sick. And they say, I'm okay. But I'm glad for those that are spiritually unhealthy and they know it. I'm glad for pastors that pastor churches and when the church is unhealthy, they've got the guts and the backbone and tenacity to stand behind a pulpit and say, we're unhealthy and we're dying and you may be the last one to turn out the lights unless we turn this thing around. I remember going to a church one time and a man came forward and said, preacher, there's death all around us, but there's life out there in the street. He was right. And we turned that church around because we realized there was life outside the walls of the church. The Pharisees, these legalists, they were so wrapped up in the law that they forgot about love and mercy. And that's what Jesus came to give.
Oh, aren't you glad that Jesus reached out to those who were unlikely, undesirable, unhealthy. The old gospel hymn, Jesus, what a friend of sinners, says, Jesus, what a friend of sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul, friends may fail me, foes assail me, He my Savior makes me whole. Oh, let me pray with you. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Lord, with courage and with boldness, I've declared Your Word today. And Father, I thank You that You, Father, You gave us a wonderful Savior who is the friend of sinners. And Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I am the sinner saved by grace. And Father, thank You that we are just trophies of that wonderful grace. And one day in heaven, we're going to celebrate every single sin under the blood of the Christ of Calvary. In His name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.